The Beyond the Game program is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. Let's welcome in Jason Romano. He's the social media producer for ESPN. He's also a believer in Christ who speaks at a number of churches, schools, and conferences each year. He joins us now on the BTG phone line. Thanks for being part of the show, Jason. Good to have you on. Thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it, Rick. Let's start with my New York Giants. You're a New York guy growing up not all that far from the same part of New York that I did. Tom Coughlin is a Hall of Fame caliber coach. Was this the right thing, parting ways with Coughlin? It's a tough question. I think so. I think, you know, as great as he is, and, you know, he's he's getting up there in age, and I still think he's going to coach. But I think it was the right time. You know, Giants have missed the playoffs the last four seasons. You know, in some cases, if it hadn't been Tom Coughlin or somebody who had won two Super Bowls, you know, he might not even have lasted the last four seasons. So, you know, the players loved him. I like everything that Coach Coughlin stands for as far as his leadership. And he talked in his press conference uh, the other day about what it meant to be a coach and the relationships that he had built and what those meant to him. And I love hearing that because I think from a leadership perspective and a leader in any capacity, it's about relationships. It's about leading but it's also about serving, and you could tell that, you know, he had done that, and he had really grown close to all the players that he had coached. I mean, he's he's been great for the NFL. He's certainly been great for the Giants. As a Cowboys fan, I'm jealous that they got two Super Bowls uh, over the last uh, eight or nine years. But um, it was the right time for Coach Coughlin. You know, he he left his legacy. He's definitely a Hall of Fame coach. You mentioned the Cowboys, Jason, and they've chosen to do the opposite of the Giants. They're sticking with their coach. Jason Garrett is their guy. They've been loyal to him. However, the results haven't been there on the field. Do you think that's wise to stick with Jason Garrett for another year? You know, I go back and forth on this one because, you know, the more you work in this industry, I guess, of sports and broadcasting, and the more you get to kind of be around people who've worked and done these jobs, you realize that they're people and you know these are legitimate lives that are being impacted and changing you know i can imagine every year kind of going year to year wondering if you're going to keep your job or not so i kind of kind of rejoice a little bit when i hear coaches keeping their jobs um from a fan perspective i'm glad garrett's back i I don't think this year was his fault you know last year they won 12 games they had to tie for the best record in the league they had a great season. You know, the NFL leading rusher, the NFL leading quarterback. You know, Des Bryant had a great season. Everything sort of clicked. There wasn't a ton of injuries. You saw what they were able to do. And then this year they had injuries. Um, I'm okay with giving Garrett another year. I know Jerry likes him. Jerry Jones likes Jason Garrett a lot. As far as being a coach, I know the players like him a lot. I've talked to a few players who were big fans of Jason Garrett, and they want to play for him and do well for him. Sticking with the NFL for just another minute, Three teams have applied to the NFL for relocation, the Rams, Raiders, and Chargers. Do you have any sense of how many of those teams, if any, will be playing in Los Angeles next year? Oh, man. Um, you know, my my guess is, but just from a sort of basic fan perspective, I think it sounds like it's going to be potentially all of the teams. I mean, Los Angeles is going to basically go from zero to potentially three teams. I would say at the very least two teams with San Diego and Oakland potentially sharing the stadium. We've been talking with Jason Romano, social media producer with ESPN. You can follow him on his personal Twitter, at Jason Romano. So when we see an ESPN 
social media post on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, does that start on your desk? Yes, it does. Um, or at least it's my responsibility. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm not the only one posting or creating the content, but I'm overseeing it. Uh, oftentimes I am posting, um, but sometimes I have a team with me that works with me. Uh, very talented team, much more talented than I am, better creating content that are also watching the games and reacting as well. Uh, but yes, it starts with, um, with my responsibility for sure. On your blog, Jason, you wrote an emotional piece about your dad's battle with alcohol abuse, one in which, praise the Lord, he's currently winning. I can't imagine how difficult that was for you and your family, but how has that struggle influenced your faith in Christ? Um, well, it's, it's an interesting thing because in the midst of when I became a Christian, that dad was going through his battle. And I actually spoke on forgiveness and, and talked about this at my church late last or earlier last year. And I talked about the power of forgiveness and idea that we're never more like Christ when we choose to forgive. You know, when you look all throughout um, the New Testament, especially in the, in the Gospels where, where Jesus is sharing stories and kind of you read about his life, you know, it was so much about forgiving and so much about, you know, all the things that happened to people and sort of the, the betrayals and, the, you know, I mean, even on, on the cross, when he's being nailed to the cross, you know, he asks, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So you're talking about Christ asking his Father in heaven to forgive the people that are doing this wrong to him. So if Christ is forgiving, then who are we not to forgive? And But that took me a long time to understand. So I became a Christian in 2001. I don't think I really truly forgave my dad really until about two years ago, almost three years ago. And... Uh, you know, I thought I had forgiven him, and I've, I've certainly tried to continue the relationship with him, sort of, if you will, on a provisional basis of being able to know that he's sober. But it's really taught me over the past few years that we're all human, we're all making mistakes, and, you know, yes, my dad is fighting a battle that right now he's winning, thankfully, but it's really taught me to just understand that, you know, everybody deserves forgiveness. It doesn't mean I have to allow the disease or let's let's even say the abuse or uh, verbal abuse or anything like that to still come into my family. You know, thankfully, he's been sober for two and a half years now, and it's right been right around the time that I chose to forgive him that he's been sober. Now, I'm not saying that's a coincidence or not. You know, I don't even know if he knows that that was around the time when I chose to forgive him. But since that moment, uh, he's been sober. And the fact that he has been able to win that battle at the same time as I've been able to sort of move on from any kind of bitterness that I had with him, uh, it's great. You know, and God kind of works in the way that he wants to work. So watching the process kind of go over the last few years, it's definitely uh, increased my faith and it's definitely helped me understand what true forgiveness is about and what repairing is about and mending relationships I'd like to know how you first became a believer, but before I ask you about that, I'd like to just remind our listeners that we're talking to a guy who happens to be a sports fan, Jason Romano, the man. He's not representing ESPN. He's a father. He's a husband. And as with all our guests, we're talking with someone whose life has been impacted and changed by Jesus Christ and not someone reciting the company tagline. When our guests talk about Christ, it's a very personal thing. And I just think it's important to make that distinction 
And that said, can you share with us your salvation story and talk about the impact Christ has had in your life? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. And thank you for doing that. You know, I work for a great company and I, I love ESPN. Um, but definitely, this is my story. This is my personal story. Um, it has nothing to do with them. But yeah, my salvation story is one that it's not the 180. I was falling in the depths of pit of despair. I was doing drugs. I was down and out. And Christ, you know, it wasn't one of those things. I, I was really um, a time in my life where um, I got married to my wife. And we're still married 16 years later. When I married her, um, we got married in a Catholic church. I grew up Catholic and didn't really have a great uh, sort of religious background, if you will. I went to church, but I really didn't um, have any kind of relationship with God or even understand what a relationship meant. Uh, I didn't have anybody in my life that was sort of there to teach me that or show me that. That is until 1999. Now, my brother Chris, I have two younger brothers, Chris and Damien. And around early 99, late 98, he became a Christian, and he got saved miraculously. You know, he was definitely going in a direction that was not good, and God came and grabbed a hold of him and, and, and radically saved him and turned his life around. And when it happened, you know, he was the first in our family that that had happened to, so we were all kind of curious and didn't really understand, and God had done such a great work in his life that he wanted to tell everybody about it. So he's telling us, hey, there's this, there's this unbelievable thing that happened to me. I got saved. You know, there's this guy, Jesus, you know about him. Well, he, he miraculously came into my life and saved me and turned me around, and I have a relationship with him. And I'm hearing all these sort of Christianese words and things that I didn't understand, you know, even to a point where I thought he was in a cult for a little while because it consumed him. And I didn't understand that then. But I saw a change in him. You know, I saw a nature change in him. You know, it talks about the renewal of our minds when we're transformed by by Christ. And, and he was transformed. And, you know, I was very, I was probably sarcastic. I was probably um, a little bit of a, a, a critic, you know, and, and definitely thinking that this was like, all right, Chris, this is for you. Good job. I'm happy that you're, you know, you're not doing the things that you were doing before, but like, what's really going on here? You know, and I was kind of not kind of, you know, fully believing or buying into what, what he was doing, but I did see a different person and you know, that doesn't just happen. People don't just change. Usually there's a reason something happens to them, but for him, it was God. And he, over the next two years, basically never hid his faith from us, but he never forced his faith on us. He just lived his life. And we saw somebody who, I saw somebody who I really was, was starting to admire and emulate. And over the, over the next few years, we had many conversations. He invited me to his church. And God started softening my heart. When I finished coming out of that church that day, I just kind of whispered to my brother. I said, you know, that wasn't so bad. And that was the door that he was waiting for, God was waiting for to open. And my brother kind of said, well, let's talk more about this. So we went into another room and we sat down. And for 15 minutes, he kind of explained and shared the gospel with me, um, and I accepted Christ. Again, I don't have this fire and brimstone sort of miraculous story. I did that because I, saw, I felt something different going on with me, but at the same time, I really did it selfishly. And my wife and I got married in 1999, and we wanted to have children right away, so we started to try, and we were unsuccessful, and it wasn't happening. So by 2001, you know, we're at the point where we're a little frustrated, and we're kind of wondering 
you know, what do we do wrong? What's happening here? And so I figured, hey, God, maybe if you're on my side, you can help us have a baby, you know? And it was kind of like very selfish and certainly not the right reason to to ever want to um, develop a relationship with Christ. But, you know, that seed was planted that day with my brother. And soon after, I came to grips with what it truly meant. It probably took about seven or eight months for myself to really understand what what Christ had done for me on the cross, what it meant to be a Christian, and not to know that I'm not perfect, you know, and that um, I don't have to clean myself up to come to God, that I could come to Him right where I am, sin and all, and He's just kind of waiting there with open arms, ready to give me a big hug and to accept me as I am. And it still took two years, a little over two years, until my wife, thankfully, was able to get pregnant. You know, that was the, probably the roughest patch of being a Christian, and my wife was not a Christian at the time, so I was a Christian in the household. My wife was not. We were trying to have children, and we were unsuccessful. That was a very, very trying time for me, especially early in my faith. And, you know, thankfully I had my brother there to help me and guide me a little bit, but it was really one where I just kept saying, God's got this. He's got this. He'll figure this out. And if we're not meant to have children, we have to come to grips with that. Uh, and that's God's plan. And my wife didn't want to hear about any of that. She just wanted to know why she couldn't get pregnant. But God came through, and, you know, we had our daughter in June of 2004, and my wife got saved, I would say, somewhere around 2005. You know, been walking with the Lord since, and it's been a, it's been a fun journey. You know, Jason, I, I love those type of testimony stories because there's so most people aren't turning around from some dramatic story, so they think that their testimony uh, is insignificant. So when they hear somebody else telling yeah. their story, it just gives them— the courage and, and encourages them to be able to tell their own story. Yeah. Everybody's story is different. And I know people who grew up in, as Christians and they still are walking with the Lord and having great lives. And, you know, that's not the life that I knew, but that's their story. And my story is different. And, you know, I know people who um, really didn't turn their life over to God until they're in their forties and fifties. And that's great. You know, those testimonies are just as good I mean, they're all great. You know, that's what the beautiful thing about the gospel is, is, you know, God is no judger of persons. He, he loves everyone. And John 3.16 is evidence of that. And um, he loves the world. And it doesn't matter where you are. And, um, you know, I've, I love hearing and seeing different people. I love hearing people's testimonies because it's their story, yep. their personal story. Nobody else lived it. And, you know, whether they came out of the womb praising Jesus or they didn't do it until they five seconds before they passed away, it's still their story, you know, and it's still amazing to watch God do work in people no matter where, where they are or what stage they are in life. Is there anything we can pray about for you? Oh, man. I mean, I could give you a list of a thousand things for sure. Um, I think clarity right now will be great. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time at ESPN, and I thoroughly enjoy it and love it, and just kind of like looking for clarity and direction on what the next eight years might be. Um, not just at work. I mean, it's not a work clarity thing. I think it's just a life clarity thing. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to really make these next seven years count, I think is the most important thing. And, you know, with my job, and not just with my job, but with my life, you know, I've done a lot of things and I've had a lot of opportunity to do amazing things. But some of it's been at the expense of, time with my daughter and with my wife too. So just praying for 
sort of clarity, direction, whatever you want to call it, as far as being able to work out that work-life balance of spending time with my family and, and putting them first. You know, I love my job. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but my family is number one. We've been talking with Jason Romano, social media producer with ESPN. You can follow him on his personal Twitter, at Jason Romano. Let me remind you, that's his personal Twitter, and you will find a terrific mix of faith and sports. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the program. I've I've enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking with you, too. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We still got more to do. I hope you'll stick with us. Coming up later in the program, we'll give you our Pest of the Week. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions.